I've been spending a fair amount of miles lately, and the time it takes to traverse those miles on the inner side of a rolling vehicle. Working your way through all those miles and all that time allows one's mind to wander to places otherwise unimaginable. Trying to decipher French puns that don't really exist. Alternate realities, music that was your favourite 20 years ago, that sort of thing. And when you get bored with all that, you put on the speakers and find a few new words to a Scandinavian language. But then I finished all that and still had several hundred miles to go. So I thought I would ask you, what do you listen to when you've listened to everything you want to listen to or have always wanted to listen to? I suspect that surely I'm missing something. Good evening. It's Friday the 18th of April 2008 and it's Mets Bedtime Story Podcast. Thief and Consequences by Brendan Gill. She had straight blonde hair and a red mouth. And she was lame. Every day she played golf and went swimming in the centre of a crowd of boys. Charles sitting with his mother on the hotel porch, watched her and nodded while his mother repeated, Isn't it extraordinary, a girl like that? I wonder what in the world they see in her. Charles took to walking past the pool during the morning as the girl and boys lay there side by side laughing. He listened carefully to her voice. It was low, unhurried, forceful. So, he thought, was her language. Every other word seemed to him to be damn, hell, and worse. She spoke of God, to whom Charles was preparing to dedicate his life as if he were a friend in the next block. I swear to God, the girl said. I must have told you this one, for God's sake. Charles walked out of the room to the jokes that followed. He was 18, and he was spending this last vacation with his mother before entering seminary. In eight more summers, he would be a priest. The girl's language sent sharp lightnings through him. He had never seen or heard anyone like her before in his life. One night after dinner, while his mother was upstairs swallowing a pill, the girl sat down beside him on the hotel porch. Her lips were smiling, her eyes the colour of her blue open blouse. We ought to know each other, she said. You ought to join the rest of us at the pool. I'm with mother. The girl covered his hand with hers. Oh well. For God's sake, you're old enough to swim by yourself, aren't you? Charles felt 
what he ought to explain before it was too late, before she said something he could never forget. I, I'm going to be a priest, he said. The girl kept smiling. A priest? With a turnaround collar and everything? He nodded. So you can't come swimming with a gang? That has nothing to do with it. I just thought I ought to tell you. I always do tell people. You can still come dancing with us if you want to. Certainly. Could you take me to a movie if you wanted to? Yes. I never met a boy who was going to be a priest. Could you take me out for a ride tonight if you wanted to? He said in relief. We didn't bring our car. Oh, hell. I mean in my car. I mean just for example. I didn't say I'd go with you. She stared at him slowly from head to foot. It would be funny with a boy who was going to be a priest. Fortunately, Charles thought his mother would be coming downstairs at any moment now. She would make short shrift of the girl. You oughtn't to keep swearing like that, he said. He expected her to laugh, but she didn't. She ran her hand up and down the bare brown leg that was shorter than the other. Like what, she said. Like, for God's sake, that's taking the name of the Lord in vain. That's one of the Ten Commandments. I'm an awful damned fool, she said. I talk like that to keep people from thinking about my leg. But I didn't know that you were going to be a priest. Charles wanted to get rid of her, but he didn't know how. He stood up and said, I don't think you ought to worry about things like that. I hadn't even noticed. She stood up beside him. Her eyes shone in the mountain light. Oh, damn you, please don't lie to me, she said. Of course you've noticed, but does it bother you? Does it make you want to stay away from me? No, he said, damn it, no. She slipped her hand under his arm. Thanks for saying that, so nice and hard. I haven't asked anybody that in a long time. Without having willed it, stupidly, Charles found himself walking the length of the porch beside the girl. Her blonde hair touched the shoulder of his coat. It was difficult to tell, looking down at her, that she was lame. 
he bent his head to smell her perfume. Tell me what you do, he said. You mean, bang, just like that, what do I do? Not that you have to tell me. But I do. It's just that there aren't any surprises in me. I'm not beautiful or tormented or not much tormented. I don't do anything. I got out of walkers and I had a party and now I guess I'll be on the loose like this for a couple of years. And finally, somebody may ask me to marry him and quick like a fish I will. I hope I'll have enough sense for that. And I'll be terribly glad when I've done it. I'll try to let him win most of the arguments we'll have. I'll try to be good about satisfying him the way all those awful books say and about having good kids for him and all that. Charles felt himself stumbling. She had told him everything about herself. She had told him the truth, which he hadn't wanted. They reached the end of the porch and stood facing the valley between the mountains. Two old men were playing croquet in the gathering darkness. The wooden mallets and balls knocking softly together the white trousers moving like disembodied spirits across the lawn. Charles and the girl could hear, below them in the kitchen, the clatter of dishes being washed and stacked and the high, tired voices of the waitresses. Now talk about you, the girl said. You think you want to be a priest. Yes. Isn't it just a vow your mother made while she was carrying you? Charles laughed and was surprised at how easily he laughed. Well, he said, I guess mothers always wanted me to be a priest, especially after Dad died. We went abroad then, Mother and I. We spent the summer in Rome. We had an audience with the Pope, the old one, a little man with thick glasses and a big ring. We got so we were going to Mass and even to Communion every day. When we came back to this country, I started in a Catholic school. I liked it. I graduated this year. I'm going down to the seminary in the fall. I guess I like that too. Isn't there more to it than that, the girl said. I'm not a Catholic. I am not an atheist. But don't you have to have some kind of a call? A bells ringing, something like that? You mean a vocation, yes. Well, I guess I have a vocation all right. But what is it? How can you be sure? Charles gripped the railing of the porch. He had never been able to answer that question. 
he remembered kneeling beside his mother's bed, month after month, year after year. Don't you feel it, darling? His mother had whispered. Don't you feel how wonderful it will be? Don't you feel how God wants you? Charles had told himself finally that he was able to answer that question. The next day, his mother, dabbing her eyes, had said, Here's my boy, Father Duffy. I'm giving him to you. And Father Duffy had said, Ah, you're an example to Irish mothers everywhere. Are you sure you want to come with us, boy? Yes, Father, I do, Charles had said, watching his mother. He had spoken an answer, written an answer, lived an answer. But he had never believed it. He had been waiting to believe it. Now, he heard himself saying for the first time, No, I can't be sure. The girl said, Then you're not going to be a priest. You must be. Why are you so damned afraid to face the truth? Charles saw his mother walking heavily along the porch. He studied her as if she were a stranger. What an enormous old woman she was and how strong she was and how she had driven him. He took the girl's hand. It was cool and unmoving. He felt the porch floor trembling under his mother's approach.